drag just really fulfills this artistic need and ache inside so many people. I mean, if you and if you don't feel it, if you don't feel the spark yeah. and the inspiration, it's good. You tried it once, but for some people, it literally it changes your life. Hey, Hot Mess Heroes, I'm your host, Jeffrey, and you're listening to Gaijin. Welcome to the season two premiere of Gaijin, the podcast where I interview creatives, scholars, and activists who talk about what matters most to the gay and Asian community. On today's show, I interview Rakim Sakra from RuPaul's Drag Race. Rock and I talk about the future of drag, building a brand on YouTube, and Rock's new show on WOW Presents Plus. All that is coming up, but first, make sure you hit the follow button to get new episodes of Gaijin every other Tuesday. And visit our website at gaijin.media, where you can join hundreds of other subscribers to the Gaijin Podcast Monthly Newsletter. That's gaijin.media. All right, I think that covers it. On to the interview with Rakam Sakra. Rock, from your time on Drag Race to your YouTube channel, and now your own show on WoW Presents Plus, fans know you for your anime, manga, video game-inspired makeup and fashion, your high energy, your hilarious personality, but uh, we the fans also love and admire you for your resilience and strength as someone who has been so open about overcoming adversity, so thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm only here for the money, and anyone listening... Right now, I don't care about you. In fact, you can all eat my ass. Can I say ass on this podcast? Uh, you can say no, anything just... you want. Honestly, okay, this is the rated ass. R episode. So, oh my butt, but I'm just kidding. I'm so super happy to be here, especially with the name like Gaijin. How could I pass up this podcast? How that is you? the name of this podcast, right? It's called uh, Gaijin. Yeah, it's That's Gaijin. It? It's Gaijin. Yeah. yeah okay, good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Good job with marketing. I like that. It's good. <laughs> What did you think of this last season, season 13 of Drag Race? It was very long. I was, um, that's the, the thing with Drag Race is sometimes they're like, oh my God, give queens like time to shine, give queens like yeah. lots of spotlights. And um, I get it. Like um, during this season, it was being filmed during the pandemic. So yeah. more opportunities to really just showcase these queens, really bring them out there and celebrate them when they can't really go go out into the world and perform, you know, um, but as a viewer, I was like, somebody fucking go home already because I'm tired of this shit. And Tina Burner's makeup is really starting to bug me now. This extremely long season of drag race had so much sisterhood Mm -hmm. that I thought there were going to be two winners. I thought that both Simone and Mick were going to win. I thought so too. That's another reason why I'm glad they didn't get rid of Candy early because goddamn if she isn't good television. Yeah. And thank God I have subtitles. You watch TV with your subtitles on? They're just constantly on from watching <laughs> anime, so. When Drag Race seasons end, the girls on the season usually get a full-on tour and tons of exposure to fans. Um, since season 12 ended right when the pandemic was starting, what opportunities did all of the girls on season 12 get? So they would bring us like opportunities for like Instagram lives and whatever they could with advertisements to try and get us 
us revenue. But like those opportunities split between 12 girls is so far and few that a lot of times we just ended up uh, either curating our own online shows or just working with like or just working with what we had. Like we can't meet with photographers. We can't meet with videographers. So everything that we um, made during that time was by ourselves, by our own hand, which is why I think a lot of people resonate with season 12 because a lot of the stuff that we created was like from like our own two hands yeah. you know uh, but um, I feel like now it's more like like more girls are starting to go out and perform um, wherever it's safe uh, like the girls are getting vaccinated and they're going into like very limited uh, seating shows that are socially distant um, definitely not like before I had expected something different from my drag race experience. Like I was like, it's going to be like 800 people in one club and they're all going to be like throwing dirty, dirty, sweaty money. And, um, it's not like that anymore. I went to drag and drive a month ago at the Rose bowl. Did you hit anyone with your car? <laughs> I wanted to, but they're too strict over there. Too many rules. Really? But you got to get out of your car. Yeah, but you got to stand by your car and dance by your car. I was basically grinding on my car the entire time. I did a show in San Francisco where everyone was in their car, but they weren't allowed to get out of their car. But to applaud, they honked. So whenever they honked, I couldn't hear my music. So it just degraded to uh, me being like twerking in silence or twerking to honking for like four minutes. It was fun, though. Yeah. Um, Drive and drag is really just like what you make of it. If you mm. really want to go out and see a drag show, you do what you got to do to see it. You'll like if you want to see it in person, you do what you got to do because mm. there's plenty of digital shows now that really curate so many different types of artists, too. Yeah. And Twitch has really just made it so like if you can't get booked as like an Asian queer, like drag King or something like that, you make your own show, you put it online and you get your own audience. It, it kind of like lends itself to people being like their own casting directors of their shows and, and stuff like that. So I do appreciate that aspect of this current digital climate of drag. How have you embraced this movement and gone digital? Uh, what are you doing with your content right now? So most of my content right now is through YouTube. So um, I, I have to I have to say that YouTube has been very successful for me um, in a sense that like it pays for itself now. So I connect all my YouTube to my Patreon and with ad stuff, it kind of like breaks even. And I wouldn't be able to do YouTube if I was like touring and stuff like that. So that's pretty much where all of my time and effort is going into. And it um, gives me kind of a place to do things besides lip sync someone else's song in a club. Mm -hmm. It lets me like create my own content. It lets me reach a, an audience that like normally like couldn't get into clubs because oh. they're like not 18 or not 21. When did you start your YouTube channel? Was it before you did Drag Race or after your season? Well, I was on YouTube before season 12, just on a small mm. channel called Trish TV. I, um, so it was like a channel that we would have 
uh, we would curate with other girls in San Francisco. Originally, Trish was a dragazine, which was created by Cash Monet and Mama Celeste. And it was supposed to be just like a drag related zine. So they would go out to clubs and they would just hand out the zine and it would be like small, like comic books or little like illustrations, pictures, photography, whatever is going on. And they made the jump to YouTube and I decided to do like a monthly show on it called The Chuck Bang. So obviously it's like, not obviously for those of you, I mean, it's obvious to me because I watch them all the time, but it's- That's when you eat a ton of food while you're in full on drag, right? Yeah, exactly. So it's just a mukbang and drag, which is not, those are not the two things you should put together. Cause if you have five pounds of makeup and I'm doing the spicy noodle <laughs> challenge and I got fiery diarrhea coming out my <laughs> butt, but I'm also wearing like contact lenses and I can yeah. barely see. It's not a good time, but I did that show and I auditioned with like a lot of clips from my show so that they knew I was like kind of like a personality sort of thing. But, um, yeah, I didn't, I didn't really start to do like weekly, weekly updates till after season 12. Cause I don't, I don't know about you, but I watch, I'm on YouTube every single day. I'm like, I, everything that's new and trending on YouTube, I'll watch it. I, it's like my platform. Do you have any advice for starting a YouTube channel? And do you think that your YouTube channel helped you get onto drag race or just be a better contestant on drag race? Start your channel. If you guys want to get on drag race and you want to do a YouTube channel, you guys got to start your content early. You guys got to start filming everything before the season starts get it out there when the like when the season starts but also too don't do youtube this is this is my personal thing don't do youtube because your sisters are doing youtube or don't do youtube because you see other people doing it and you think you have to if you don't like a platform you're not gonna enjoy creating the content like if you didn't like talking to people through like soundtrap and like like doing a podcast and you hated doing it it wouldn't be fulfilling right like doing YouTube and podcasts, other digital media don't immediately make you money and you don't get a lot of followers right away. You do it because it's fulfilling to you spiritually or artistically. What do you love about YouTube so much? Oh, uh, I'll do my best Carol Channing. I love (laughs) YouTube so much because it lets me be a personality on TV or something adjacent to it. Um, no, but it lets me be like a personality on some, like something like TV wise. And uh, a lot of girls, they go on drag race and then they only update their Instagrams. I feel like my drag is more 360 than that. It's like, I'm more of a personality character. I like interacting with people and, um, talking, 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 talking. Also YouTube is like very much a grounds for like tutorials. I love teaching people and I love spreading like the joy of drag to other people. I always feel like I'm like Julian Child, uh, but a Julian Child <laughs> had ADHD and was Vietnamese Filipino. Um, <laughs> but as for the other question, YouTube really is a place for you to kind of 
either get comfortable in front of the camera or get stuff for your audition tape for Drag Race because a lot of people, the hardest part for them is getting started, recording their numbers, recording your drag, recording yourself as a personality. Baby, if the first time you audition is the first time you are in front of a camera, you are going to be camera shy and you won't know how to talk in front of it. Yeah. And just like any sort of performance or art you need to practice um also being in front of a camera and doing stuff by yourself hosting lets you have the strength to kind of carry a conversation when you're like by yourself in a silent room because a lot of people who get on drag race they don't know that you get there and there's no background sound effects there's no rattlesnake sounds there's no like zoom ins or anything that you can see it's real life and it's quiet it's very quiet. There's got to be a difference between being a drag queen and performing live in front of an audience versus performing as a drag queen for the camera. Um, exactly. It's It really is two different things, and it really depends on your comfort level. But I feel like YouTube is a good place for people to either figure out what they like or hate about their performances, performance style, or the way they talk or host. Or YouTube is a good way for people to understand um, their branding and the way they want to like the world to perceive themselves for me on YouTube I realized that a lot of the stuff that I like to do is either zany food related k-pop related or like I just like I present myself as like this big kooky character and I used to think that the kookiness wasn't like professional in the drag scene like always be prim and proper please and thank you which is good it's like good business manners but personality really shines through more than anything else and you have a big and bold personality. That's what we love about you. You are yourself and you're living your energy. When you entered the work group, you were jumping on tables and rolling on the ground. I'm going to be honest with you guys who want to get onto Drag Race or you love Drag Race or you want to get like you want to be noticed somewhere. Don't do things the way that people tell you to do it. So many girls get onto Drag Race and then they're like, you got to have a catchphrase. Get on, have a catchphrase. Get on, be this character. Get on, be that character. Be who you want to be because you are in charge of you are. I mean, of course, you have autonomy, but it's like you are you know yourself better than anyone. So why don't you just yeah. trust yourself and do the things that you want to do and do what you think is right and, and good for your brand? Of course, it doesn't always work because, you know, some people their their brand is bad. But if you ever feel I mean. Just be bold. Yeah, I've made bad. We've we've all made bad decisions branding wise and stupid things. But you got to make those mistakes too. If I went on TV and I ran on the floor and I jumped on all those tables and it wasn't received well, I was happy because that's something I always wanted to do. Also, that wasn't my original entrance line. What was your original entrance line? My original entrance line, which um, which they were like, I don't know if you should do this one, um, was you're gonna regret. Pat Passing me through psych evaluation because like when you go on a reality show you have to go through as like a psych like a, a psych evaluation to make sure that if you if you lose or if you do anything else like it's not gonna affect you 
like mentally, it's not going to like send you spiraling into depression. So they're just basically like evaluating your mental state. So I, that was my entrance line. They're like, maybe it's too like behind the scenes. So let's change it to something. My second one that also, uh, was close was, uh, once I put a cucumber up my butt and it came out a pickle. Oh my God. Um, this is why you're a genius. <laughs> that'll be my all stars one. Yes. All stars. I should just pull out a cucumber. I should, I just pull out a pickle and be like, it was a cucumber when it started on season 12. I don't know what happened. <laughs> I love that. That is freaking good. Okay. I love the pickle talk, but go back to branding and I want you to really break it down for me. How do you create a brand that is true to yourself, that is true to your wacky, off-the-wall personality, but also a brand that people grow to love? Okay, think of it this way. You go onto Amazon.com. You see a review for an item that you don't think you would ever want. It's just something that you don't need in your life. You don't like it. The color is ugly. The The shape is all weird. The material is bad, but it has like 54 reviews and they're all four and a half stars. The product that you see right there is something that people want and have wanted, but it's not your personal thing. My thing is for your branding, don't react to what people want from you. Let people who want your brand come and find you throw a wide net put yourself out where you can and the people who like you will come to you yeah. regardless there are people on YouTube with hundreds of thousands of viewers and you watch their content and you're like what the hell is this why would anyone watch this uh, like 180 180,000 people would agree with you but they found the content that's for them so if you're thinking about branding yourself you don't think about branding yourself. Be authentic. Yeah. People appreciate being authentic or be completely out there and fabricated and like fake and everything. And people react to that too. One or the other, authentic or completely fabricated. And then just people will come find you. Like just put yourself out there. And it's like when people find you, exactly. like really focus on those people. But um, also don't be boring, you know, like be, be bold and make risks, be yourself and do things that um, others might, I mean, not, I mean, obviously don't be yeah. racist or anything like that, <laughs> but do things that other people might not want to do or like that they wouldn't agree with and people will um, come to you. Like for me, my drag is like hyper pink, super pastel, kawaii. I do a lot of Japanese K-pop songs. A lot of people are like, well, if you perform in bars and who's going to want to watch you if they can't understand the songs that you're performing in and for me it's like I can perform J-pop K-pop songs and the people who like that will book it and the people who like it will come and see me yeah I love that advice it's about showing others what you love and are passionate about and being really genuine about exactly that. it's just authenticity is so hard to find especially in like social media influencers and just people in general so yeah. when people find authenticity in you people find like like I'm fascinated by Decora J-pop and anime and the people who resonate with that they see that I authentically love and celebrate this and they will support me um 
where do you think like the future of drag is going? Um, I definitely think that the pandemic has affected drag in um, in in a different in a different way because. Um, Quarantine has really pushed people to be like, if I want to spice up my life, let's do drag. There is a huge wave in birth of bedroom queens, kings, queens, and uh, monsters, everything in between. And I think there's going to be a huge surge of online digital artists that are going to come about. And I think that people are starting to think of drag in... um, different terms besides like going to a club and performing like on honestly going to a club and performing for real people is fun but as like a concept is uh rather i guess it's dated in a sense i mean i'm still gonna perform in person and 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 like get tips and everything but i think that um drag has a bigger appeal than just being in person I mean, look at how people treated Aiden Zane. A bedroom queen. And look, we were all bedroom queens for two years. So what about that? Yes. (laughs) So what do you think about this new wave of bedroom queens i love it oh my god i love it so much i cannot tell you how much i just love people doing drag and like putting on makeup or doing like because have my have you ever done drag before i've never done drag before you need to do drag i, I am telling you all watching right now if you have thought about doing drag well um, when i come to la maybe you can put me in drag for the first time Exactly, and then it'll be you getting mistaken for kimchi and not me. So, not like not a plastic. Like I wouldn't be mistaken for like a plastic, maybe, or like a like a like a juju. No, she she is like the body mass of one of our legs, girl. I swear. Like if we if we if I stood on the other side of a seesaw with plastic on the other end, she would get sent into space. Okay, the BMI just does not matter up but to get back to my point if you have thought about doing drag you should do drag why because drag just really fulfills this artistic need and ache inside so many people i mean if you and if you don't feel it if you don't feel the spark and the inspiration it's good you tried it once but for some people it literally it changes your life and doing drag and like starting out with people like your friends or people that you trust it, it creates so many new that like when you do drag for the first time it's the opening episode of your anime you know mm, what i'm saying yeah. and then you go on your little journey and then you meet all your little crewmates and you go find one piece some people say that their drag persona is an alter ego is rock an alter ego or is rock a heightened version of you i think uh, i always think about that meme where it's like who are you and it's like i'm you but stronger mm. so think of it like um think of it like Rock is more like the gay Hulk version of Brian. So when I get really inspired artistically or I get I get really gay, I'm like, oh, my God, oh, my God, you guys get away from me. And then instead of (laughs) turning big and green and having like my nipples out, well, maybe I don't know. It depends on the night. uh, I turn into like a big drag queen. I think that I always think of like Rock'em Sakura Mm -hmm. as like 
like a Sasha Fierce kind of personality or just like an undeveloped twin, but like they develop every now and then and then they go back into rem- like they go back into like being a tumor or something, you know? Uh, <laughs> so welcome is like more like a tumor with teeth oh. and working eyes. It's a twin that's always with you. So it's basically the twin in the womb that you wanted to eat and then like ended up eating probably. Exactly. And the, doing drag for the first time is like your is like that little that little um, that little inkling you're like is this thing on my side is this is this an undeveloped twin the first time you do drag you figure it out it's there mama it's there to stay baby yes mama yes it's staying okay you have a new show on wow presents plus rock'em sakura sexy superheroes sickening spectacular what do you want everyone to know about it? Yes. Okay. I forgot to plug the show earlier. Jesus Christ. For you guys out there, if you don't know, I have a show on Wow Presents Plus called the Rock'em Sakura Sexy Superhero Sickening Spectacular. You got to go up in the inflection. And basically the plot of it revolves around me being a superhero, but I don't know what my powers are. So I, every episode I'm like trying to figure out if that's my power it's not my hero academia you weeaboos out there okay i get that i know that you want it to be that plot but i'm not deku and i'm not a part of your fan fiction but i can be but um basically that's the whole plot of everything it's very like mockumentary parks and rec sort of style and it lets me really showcase how stupid i am it's it's bad it's a bad show for terrible people and if you like it I have to say you have no taste, but you're my people. Then I have no taste and I am a part of your people. I love it because I love the ingenuity of it. I mean, how did you even do this during the pandemic? How did you record the show? Well, there's so many girls who wanted to do shows on Wild Presents Plus, but they don't have the technical ingenuity or know-how to be in front of a camera, to do lighting. And that's why you have to have friends because my friend Cash Monet helps me with my YouTube uh, filmed my Wow Presents Plus show and we basically just sent all the assets over to them so wow you really put this thing together exactly so it really is a labor of love I, I wrote the episodes myself too oh wow and so it's just a lot uh, and, and, and it's a Wow Presents Plus show where I'm not just sitting in front of a green screen and then words appear like um, but I, lo- I love those shows like but there's there's so many of them they do it like I think it's like Monet had a show Heidi has a show there's uh, there's the one with Derek Barry and Kimora there's a lot of them and when they approached me about doing a show on WoW I was like I want to do something different let's do something different let's do something that I think is fun because as much as I love talking against a green screen I already do that for YouTube let's up the game for WoW Presents Plus you are such a creative genius it- Is there a season two in the works now that season one is finished? We're writing season two right now. And um, season two takes place in L.A. because that's where I am right now. So we're trying to love it. It's going to be so dumb. Uh, I think we're going to get more than six episodes this season this time. So I'm very happy about that. Dude, congrats to that. Congrats to another season. Thank you. Well, Rock, 
the time has come. Thanks so much for spending time with me on Gaijin today. Thank you so much for having me on Gaijin. I was very, um, I'm very happy to be here and to be part of a podcast that really celebrates not just gay culture, but Asian culture as well. Um, and if you guys are listening to this right now, please make sure to follow this podcast, um, subscribe where you can support us. Um, I uh, see. I'm just plugging for you. I have no idea. Can, do you want to plug yeah, that? No, I, I was like, this was like music to my ears. Like I love you promoting the podcast, but yeah, dude, listen to Rock'em Sacra, subscribe on Spotify, Spotify. subscribe on Apple podcast, leave a review on Apple podcast, review on Apple podcast. you know, we're going for five stars, five but you, stars you, you, you decide, you decide, let us know how we're driving. You do not decide. It's five stars regardless. <laughs> okay. Five stars or your computer will explode. Or it'll explode. It'll self detonate. Exactly. And if you guys want to follow me and support me, I am, well, first off, I'm fixing my hair right now because I want to, we're, we're not like even both, recording we've this been video. We're both fixing our hair during this. We've oh both my God. Been like nah, oh my God. I look so good now. Okay. If you want to follow me. Okay. If you want to follow me, um, you can always go to youtube.com slash Sakura. Follow me on Instagram at Sakura on Twitter and on TikTok by all those handles. Uh, you want to follow me everywhere because everywhere is a little bit different. But if you really, really, really want to support me, you can always go to patreon.com slash Sakura, subscribe, and you will get perks, including your own, our own personal Discord server, two monthly calls, uh, signed autographs, and much, much more. Damn. Okay, that's quite the package. Uh, thank you for being here. You're amazing. This has been such a fucking amazing time. Um, I appreciate you. Thank you for making time and I'll talk to you later, okay? Talk to you later. Bye. Bye, Bye, everybody. I finally got my hair the way I wanted. Bye.